0: Welcome to ACA Media. We are a podcast. Part, we are. We are part of the Society for Cinnamon Media Studies, which does have a conference.
1: Yeah. But it's also much more than that. It's it's more than a conference and or less. <laughs> no, more.
0: More. I think it's more. We'll check.
1: We'll Who's talking?
0: I'm gonna Google that.
1: Who's talking? I
0: am Chris Becker, Secretary of the Society for Cinnamon Media Studies. I-
1: here wearing a very special hat today.
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, kind of bringing you the board perspective and also the SEMS president perspective because I sat down with Paula Massoud, who is, uh, she actually has a three-cornered hat as she was, uh, you know, president, she was president-elect, and now past president.
1: And I am Michael Kackman. I guess my role today is, is being the uh, cranky, grieved... SCMS member.
0: That's an important role to take. And actually you usually have a role at the conference in person. You usually take photographs. So I do. your camera is sitting in a box again for the third Gathering year in a dust. row. That's okay. That's okay. You're gonna take like screenshots during the conference yeah. just to keep yourself sharp.
1: Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Processing them yeah. assiduously.
0: And so as I know, yes, we have an interview with here here with Paula Masoud. Just one a uh, pro or a scheduling note. This ha- interview happened before the decision was made to move the Chicago conference to not Chicago and to put it online. So, um, and this was maybe a couple weeks before that decision came about. So, you know, she was aware this decision was coming, um, but we hadn't made it yet.
1: You know, if we were serial, we would have totally played that oh. and turned it into like a whole like dramatic arc. And then we have this interview, and what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Mm.
0: Which which board member would have gone to jail? I wonder. We have to. Yeah. Who would? Who which would, one we, wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, that's true. How do we break the entire board out of out of jail? Which some people may want us there because of what we. Well, actually, you know, we'll talk so. about this more afterward. But but um, I think people understood it was it was a tough decision. We didn't want to have to make it, but somebody's got to make it, and so we
1: did. So this is a good setup. Clearly, there's there's drama lurking ahead. I'm there trying to I'm is. trying to get back to that serial mode. Yeah. Um, there's drama lurking ahead, but first. Where did this all start? Why did Paula want to be even involved in this organization? What what got her there? That's what is that Peabody? What did what did Serial win? Peabody
0: or something Pulitzer like or Noble? Yeah. Or something like that? You, you especially got the, uh, the the voice going there.
1: Yeah, I try. Now we That's need
0: all I got. Maybe Todd can work some music in there then. That kind of serial type. Do, do,
1: do. I can't quite hear it, but it's close.
0: Todd'll hear it for us. Yeah. All right. Well, let me give you a bio of Paula Masood first. So, Paula J. Masood is professor of screen studies and former chair of the Fierstein Graduate School of Cinema at Brooklyn College. CUNY. She is also on the doctoral faculty in the program in theater at the Graduate Center CUNY, which she joined in 2007, and she received her PhD in cinema studies from New York University. She was president-elect of SCMS from 2017 to 2019, president from 2019 to 2021, very fateful years, and is currently past president, and she'll hold that role until 2023. And I should note, yeah, we've done a few of these in a row now. I think we talked to Steve Cohen, we talked to Pam Wojcik, I don't know if I'm skipping over someone there, but we've done a few. This is basically an exit interview to look back on the uh, president's term.
1: We're like HR.
0: <laughs> so now we're HR. Yeah. We're going from serial to HR. Yeah. This is, I am hard pressed to think of two. Shuffle some papers, apart. shuffle some papers.
1: Uh, so Ms. Masood, do you do you have anything to say about those emails?
0: <laughs> I like you. Dr.
1: Massoud, I just want to ask you, do you have anything to say about those? emails I think we're done here
0: you're you got you got the voice again you just got a voice you know actor in your future hmm. you need to be doing some voiceovers on animated series
1: <laughs> well, that's you <laughs> all right take it away
0: Thank you for joining the Media podcast, Paula. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. We've done a few of these interviews now, which I, I consider exit interviews with SCMS presidents. So it's really nice to get a glimpse at the, the job of the SCMS president in general and then insights into the unique uh, aspects that they dealt with during their tenure. And I think it's fair to say you might have had to deal with the most unique aspects of any president, maybe in SCMS history. So let's just start with the job, and especially for our listeners who uh, don't have the luxury that I do, which is now being on the board, and I can see some of these things firsthand myself. First of all, the you know, president, of course, you are the kind of the face of SEMS at a given moment, but it's really a group effort. So can you describe to our listeners that collaborative process, how you are president, but SEMS is run
2: by its board, um, the officers, and its staff members? Sure. And one of the things I have to say is that um, when I first started on the board, as a board member before becoming president and treasurer. um, One of the things that was modeled for me was this collaborative environment. Um, And it goes back to when I was on the board with Lucy Fisher and then Ann Kaplan and briefly with Ann Friedberg um, and then with Patrice. Um, One of the things that um, they modeled for me was that you work with the board and that you have trust in your board. In other words, that if there's an issue that needs to be dealt with, um, we all work together, even though I I as president might be the face of it. What I'm communicating to the rest of the membership is something that has been worked through with the board, whether it's first starting with the the officers themselves, past president and president-elect, or the secretary or treasurer, all the way to the board and the staff members. Every decision we make is discussed and definitely I think that the membership can see that with what's happened in the last few years um, in terms of making decisions about whether to hold conferences, what form they should be held in. And we get along really well. Um, I think that the board, all of the boards I've been on are really high functioning. Uh, People are high functioning. They wouldn't be there if they didn't want to be there. And one of the things that the board draws, I think, is people who have not only the ability to collaborate, but also some sort of administrative chops. So many people bring that to the board. And so it's like working with people who all have done some sort of administration, whatever that means in terms of their own institutions or outside of their institutions, whether it's committee work. And a number of the board members have done a lot of committee work for SMS, among other things. So that comes in and um, really helps. It's quite pleasurable as well to work with people who are really smart and who are really committed to the society and to the field and who are there really thinking through how to make it better, whether it's for precarious labor, graduate students, or assistant, associate, or even full professors at time. So yeah, we all work together quite closely.
0: When especially one thing that struck me as being on the board is it's it's actually crucial to have the number of people we do and then the range of people with experiences because you know, something comes up and um, what was the one where we were talking about the issue of, in job searches, what committees ask for. And people have concerns about asking for too much at the early stages. And people were raising, well, here's why this is asked for, and that's asked for. And here at my university, here's what HR demands and things that I never knew. And so having in the room, and particularly, again, a range of people from small liberal arts colleges to R1s, um, and everything in between, and diversity of all kinds of you know identity categories, those are really crucial perspectives to have on the board as well.
2: Yes, I agree. And I think um, in particular, having the generational representation, because having, say, for instance, the graduate student representative there and the PLO representative there, are, it, it's really important because for some of us, myself included, who who's a full professor who's had tenure for many, many years um, and who actually doesn't get the opportunity to serve on many search committees, particularly for st- the study side, because I work in an department that is primarily production and in a university system that has decided that we'll never hire anybody ever again. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting to hear about people's experiences on the job market, what institutions are looking for, why they're looking for them. I mean, I know my own institution, my institution is unionized, so we have a very specific um, set of requirements versus something that might be a liberal arts college and, and so on. And I bring that back actually to my everyday life in my own institution. Um, What I learn in the board and from the board members um, has made me a better administrator outside of that. Um, It made me a better chair when I was a chair. I think about things differently when I'm on committees in my own institution. And I definitely, if I ever, ever get a chance to be on a search committee again, uh, (laughs) um, I will bring what what I've learned as well to those situations.
0: Speaking of everyday life, I'm curious about then the life of a president of SEMS and how you deal with the service component uh, that that brings while dealing with your regular job, your daily life. And and again, you had particularly unique circumstances, I think probably more, you know, emergency Zoom meetings than ever before. But um, how do you deal with then the time commitment
2: of being president? My time as president was pretty unique um, (laughs) and extraordinarily time-consuming. At the same time, I was also chair of my department and a department that went from in-person to, like like everybody else, in-person to online with the added difficulty that it's a grad program that's mostly MFA students who are there to learn filmmaking. So being able to figure out how to switch to online teaching in a department that's hands-on was really, really challenging um, and fascinating and challenging. But just like my experience with SCMS, uh, my experience with my colleagues at Fierstein was really, really positive. We all came together and we figured out how to make this work. Um, And I believe that that was the same thing with SCMS and what we figured out how to do there. So it was a massive time commitment. I I, I think that everybody who comes into the SCMS board understands that it's going to be a a time commitment. And one of the things that might suffer, I mean, some people are better at this than others, is your own research. And so mine was, luckily, I had something going in when I was president that was already in the works, um, but definitely... It affected the research on my, my new book, along with COVID and everything else. Um, the, the book was put on the back burner, basically. And, and I can't blame SCMS for that or being chair. It's just uh, there's only so many hours in a day and only so many things you can worry about.
0: Well, and speaking of things to worry about, let's dive right in then to the COVID-19 era, which you had, you know, quite a lot you all had to deal with. So you had to confront the decision to cancel outright the 2020 conference, uh, and then subsequently to move the 2021 conference online, which is probably a kind of an easier decision. It was almost inevitable that had to happen. But can you take us through that decision process? And what was that that ride like? I know...
2: (laughs) I never want to do it again.
0: Right. Um, I feel like this might be like a traumatic experience (laughs) to have to relive these moments.
2: It's like visiting (laughs) the trauma. Um, I'd have to say even before before, um, COVID, the weekend before um, we really held the first emergency meeting of the board to talk about what we were going to do with the conference, I was actually in Oklahoma visiting the home office because we had a lot of issues going on there, staffing issues that had to be dealt with. So I had flown out, my last trip before COVID was actually at the home office. Um, And at that point, we had already lost one staff member. And right before we had to decide about COVID, we also lost the executive director. And so that was an added hit in the lead up to what we had to do in terms of canceling because we didn't have an executive director on on the ground anymore. And then we lost staff, not because they left, but because they couldn't go into the office. You know, they couldn't even get their files. And so on my way back from Oklahoma, I was on um, in co- communication with members of the board who had started worrying about whether we should um, have the conference. And the conference was only going to be, I, I don't even remember, three weeks away, maybe less than that, yeah, something like that. And so we had an emergency meetings um, right when I got back from Oklahoma that weekend. And then we decided at that point to see what was happening give it a day or two, and then meet again and make a decision. Um, And we voted on that. This is the way we're gonna move forward. And then when we met again, and, and part of that was about looking at the financial hits, looking at the health risks, looking at all of that um, in terms of if we had to cancel. And so when we met the second time, we voted. We talked about it. We had a very, very long discussion mm-hmm. uh, and talked about it and voted that it was going to be canceled and then decided that before we made the announcement public, which we we'd do in a day or like two days, I think it was. I don't remember um, the specifics that we would begin a frequently asked questions section so that when we made the announcement, we would already have as many questions answered as we possibly could. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just about making the announcements and then trying to scramble to answer things afterwards. So everybody sort of took different components of what that would be and went off and wrote them. Um, And then we decided that once we made that decision and put it live and made it public, that we would make that section of the website something that was living, so that when we would get a new question that wasn't on there, if we had an answer, we would put it on. And then if we got feedback from members that then we could put on those frequently asked questions area, we would incorporate that. So it was not only about the, the board working altogether and the staff working, but also if members contacted us to say something about, you know, you're, you're missing this component or what if, That all became part of the um, response. And even though it was painful, um, it was the best decision for everybody. And after that, we subsequently then tried to figure out the financial damage, which was substantial um, to the cancellation because even though it was the right thing to do, you know, hotels don't care. Right. Um, so we had to make a number of deals that we're still working with now or working through now in terms of where we're ending up. So we were supposed to be in Denver. We will be going to Denver in the future because that was part of the deal with the hotel. Not that they didn't give us a cancellation fee, but it was a smaller cancellation fee. So um, all of the discussions we had about this was all on Zoom. And in fact, only my first board meeting was in person. Every other board <laughs> meeting I had was through Zoom. <laughs> Um, which was horrible. As everybody knows, Zoom is horrible. But also it took away the collaborative element that we enjoy when we're in person because when we meet as a board in person, it's two days, it's all day, and we get a lot done. And so we couldn't do that same model um, meeting as a board. Um, so we had to break it up over two days um, in two hour blocks. And so even though we got a lot accomplished because it's a, it was a great board, it still was a bit of a handicap in terms of people getting together and really sort of brainstorming. So when it became clear that people would be, and I believe we did a poll. I think we did a poll to the membership about what the next conference should be. And the majority of people wanted it to be online. And so we had enough time in advance to start thinking about what this would look like. I believe it was in the summer where we started really Um, Looking through the pros and cons of offering an online versus an in person or hybrid version of the last conference. Um, And so, I believe it was in June where we really thought that that was the way we were gonna go. So we had a lot of time actually to lead up, to look at different packages, to figure out what we needed, to look at other conferences to see what they were doing and bring that all together. And I have to say, I'm proud of everybody, and the staff in particular, Leslie Lamond and Molly Youngblood, in that I believe that in the worst of circumstances, because I believe that an online conference isn't the same, Um, I really like seeing people in person. We managed to do what I believe was a really great conference, given the circumstances. Um, And that's what I heard from a lot of people. And it was interesting because I managed to, because of the way it was timed, I managed to go see a whole bunch of panels that I wouldn't have seen if I was in person. So, you know, that was a plus. So, so we had that, we had a number of other issues as well over the last two years of my presidency. We were um, trying to figure out the form of PLO representation. Um, we were establishing the anti-racism task force, which turned into a committee, anti-racism equity and inclusion committee, which is now a standing committee, which I'm very, very happy, I'm very proud of that. We redesigned the website um, during this time. <laughs> There's COVID and all of that other stuff, but there's also the sort of positives of the website, the positives right. of PLO representation, um, you know, the positives of um, what we did in terms of task force forces, the way we changed the business meeting at the conference, which made it rather than us just sort of standing there with slides saying this is what we made, this is how many people are here, turning it into a, a place where uh, members could actually interact rather than leaving like the last 10 minutes to you know questions, really. Turn turning it into an interactive thing, in order for us as the board, the board really strives towards transparency. I know that seems strange. I mean, it seems like that doesn't happen at times, but we're always thinking about membership, um, and we're always thinking about how we can explain our decision-making process. And I think this year, Chris, you, and Priscilla, Al, and Courtney I believe it was the four of you um, in that video that um, went out in terms of what we're thinking about now with the conference. It was great. It was I think it was a really great thing to do. I wish I would have thought about doing that sometime last year. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So there was all of that. There was a lot.
0: Well, I think part of that point is like the, there's the board and then the members, but the board is the members. All of us were just members for many of us for a long time. And so I think because we want to understand things as board members, we want the members to understand what we are seeing and especially things like the long deliberations that go into something that then becomes like a paragraph long statement that we spent two hours talking about that and no one sees all of that, the duck feet paddling under the water, and just that final statement. So like that urge to say, here's the thought we put into this. We want people to understand it in the same way that we
2: yeah. And I think um, what's also important to keep in mind is that everybody who's on the board makes a commitment to strive for the health of the society. So it's about um, responding to membership, but also trying to keep the society afloat. We're not an extraordinary large society compared to some of the other ones that people might belong to. We don't have a, an endowment we have investments but that's all to go back to how we serve the membership and they're not that deep and one of the other things i you know sort of going back um is that we really wanted an, and pam Wojcik really started this initiative to think about and i think steve did cohen before that was to think about how we can make our membership understand that we're not just a conference, you know, we're there year round. Um, And so trying to come up with ways to utilize our resources outside of the conference. So creating SCMS Plus, uh, which is a platform for people to actually, um, if they have something that they want to organize, we can help them get that online. Um, and it's been a success. And prior to COVID, we were trying to work with groups outside of the states in particular, but it could have been in the states, to have mini conferences. And I'd like to see that continue when we can, when COVID becomes uh, it'll never go away, but becomes something that is controlled in a different way so that we can travel again.
0: And I think part of this is the idea that, I say membership as if that's one thing, but as we talked about early in this conversation, there's such a wide range of elements of our membership, and it's difficult to serve all of them, and, and particularly in terms of those outside of the United States or as precarious labor. And so the ability to create almost like mini pockets of SCMSs within the membership seems like really important initiatives going forward, like we talked about during our board meeting about finding ways we can use SEMS Plus to to do that, to foster more SEMS initiatives that can serve more people in a a wider variety of ways, essentially.
2: Right. And also, I mean, one of the things that I I think is really important is, you know, serving these different constituencies, but also trying to figure out ways to bring them together, to collaborate across sort of different SIGs or different caucuses. Um, And I think the caucus, both of the SIGs and the caucuses have been really good about collaboration. I think the caucuses in particular have been very, very good about collaboration. SIGs, I think, because of, you know, the sort of special scholarly interests that take people different ways, though there's collaboration there um, as well, and I'm seeing more and more of that. So being able to do both.
0: Well, in retrospect, there's kind of no other way things could have gone. (laughs) Like you had to cancel 2020. 21 had to be online. You know, you did did what had to to be done. And then also in your description of like all that you still accomplish anyways, I think that's a really great list of things that got done despite the ways in which we were all hamstrung by COVID. Um, And so what might January 2022, Paula, say to reassure March 2020, (laughs) Paula, about what she was able to accomplish? So any thoughts about that? Like where where your head was at in March 2020 and, and looking back now where you're at?
2: I have to say... In March 2020, I made a joke to Leslie and Molly about, well, this is horrible. It can't get any, it can't get any worse. And I <laughs> we were say, so young then. Yes, we were so young and naive. So the first thing I would say to my 2020 self is don't actually think that this could be the worst it can ever get. Mm. I, you know, I think at that point I was just, I do have to thank everybody on the board and, and also people, past presidents, who I talked to about issues around this because it was something we had never seen before, all of us. So I think I would say now that to have faith in the board and even if it's horrible, we'll figure out a way to make it as, as good as it could be. And that 2022 Paula is far more um, optimistic than like 2021 Paula. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs>
0: At least we've had that achieved.
2: Yes, at least we know that we can actually figure out how to cancel a conference. If we, and I hope we never have to do that ever again. But that we can, that we can transition to online if we need to and that we are nimble. And, and I think maybe that's the thing I would say to myself in 2020. We're nimble and we can do it you know, and also that, you know, some of it might be bumpy. We would all like it to be perfect, you know, when we make a decision and sort of transition and and it can't always be that way. And there were mistakes made. I can't think of anything in particular, but I know there were mistakes made, um, you know, that you learn from and then you move on Um, and you do, you incorporate that into anything that happens next.
0: And so, as you mentioned, you consulted with past presidents, and you are now a past president. And so the current president, Priscilla Peña-Oval, she is your successor. So she now has the challenge of guiding the organization through whatever lies ahead. We'll have some decisions to, to make in the next month, of course, about the conference, and then just going ahead with the whole organization in 2022 and 2023. So any words of advice to pass on to Priscilla?
2: I think she's doing an amazing job already. as I said, I think that that um, video that you all did was for the messaging was great. perfect. I'd say, you know, trust the board, trust the membership, which I know she does to help guide where we're going to go, what sort of decisions we're going to be ma- be making. I think that there's there's still, bumpy road ahead in terms of not only what we decide for future conferences and conferences generally, how we meet the different needs of the membership, which are very, very different, how we can do that um, in a situation where our finances are still very, very bumpy. And I, I say one of the things I would ask her to consider or think about is, and I can say this to her, of course, um, is that I think we need to also, as a board, set up at least a small committee to think about these other things, because so much of our time is about crisis management, that not a lot of it's set up for the initiatives that we were hoping to do, you know, like an initiative, as you know, we talked about in board meetings, about creating an award for video essays or SMS Plus and creating people to work on that. So much of our time has been spent on COVID and staffing and that sort of stuff that this stuff has gone by the wayside. But as a a society, these are things that are important and things that we should think about that are more of the day to day stuff rather than the emergency stuff. And maybe uh, I'm hoping that COVID never becomes the norm, but thinking about some of that will make everybody happy. Um, the board because they're working on something that's not just sad or, you know, crisis, Um, and the membership because it will have something positive.
0: And especially other ways, as you say, to innovate within the organization and make it do different things than it's ever done before and, and yeah. offer more to our members, both collectively and individually than ever before. But you're right, that, that notion, I like that description of when you're in crisis management mode, it's like, what can we do tomorrow to take care of this thing that's right in front of us? And so right. thinking longer term is, is more difficult and and has to, I think, as you say, you have to proactively put that on the schedule. Yeah, It's not going to kind of just be like, wow, we're bored now. What do we do now? you yeah, <laughs> yeah, have, yeah, yeah, have to yeah. put it on the schedule.
2: Yeah. I, I'd like to see us come back to that and start thinking through some of the, what, what, is, what are the these initiatives that we want? Can we prioritize them? Can we get people working on them? Um, whether it's just board members or we open it up and we create broader committees to do that.
0: Yeah, and I said on, on Twitter that, uh, you know, we do have some some tough decisions ahead. And as you've described, there's some bumpy road ahead. But I do feel really good about the people we have involved. And, and that includes you, because as past president, you're still around through 2023. And so thank you so much for your past service. I mean, I hope the next couple of years go a little smoother for things. But uh, at the very least, we'll all benefit from the knowledge that you've picked up on the job in the last few years. Yes.
2: Thank you so much. You know, uh, the other thing about the board, and Chris, I think you might agree, is it's even in crisis mode, it's fun. It's fun to work with people who, um, it's far more, I'm going to say this public, it's far more fun working with the SMS board than it is with my own faculty sometimes.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, your faculty won't listen to this. They they would have turned this off long ago. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate
2: your time. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks for having that conversation, Chris.
0: Yeah, it was really fun to talk to her and get some insight. And, you know, I'm on the board, but I had only been to one meeting so far. And so I didn't know the backstory of some of the decisions that went into the previous year. So it was really instructive to hear all that.
1: I think most of us enter into these organizations feeling like, you know, a a tiny little uh, bug with no access to anybody who is powerful. Um, And then we kind of never lose that that sort of uh, subjectivity. And so we just feel like these are these massive institutions that are operating beyond our control. And they're actually, they're, they're just people. They're mm. just people we know and people we work with and, and interact with doing the best they can in uh imperfect circumstances.
0: Yeah, and largely on a volunteer basis Absolutely. as well. And just so folks know, in case you don't know or haven't gone to the About Us section on the SCMS website, uh, the, the board is made up of, then there are five officers, so that's the three presidential positions, past, current, and elect, and then there's a treasurer and a secretary, and then there are seven additional board members, including a precarious labor organization representative and a graduate student representative. Um, and so all of those folks, um, minus the past president have voting power and then there are three non-voting members so there's the representative from jcms there's a representative representative from the home office at university of oklahoma and then there is leslie lamond all hail leslie lamond an incredible person who likes to stay largely behind the scenes but incredible work she does and uh her title so she's one of three staff members that's another thing i really wanted to stress is a very small staff. And it's, uh, so Leslie Lamond, director of conferences and events, we have Molly Youngblood office manager, and then Margot Tevant, uh, who's communications coordinator and as it, um, and so in terms of, you know, and we talked about in Chicago doing the conference in person, we would have had to check vaccine status and, you know, keep track of masking and deal with, you know, if someone gets sick and they have to quarantine and just, it, it wouldn't have been possible with such a small staff, but, uh, the work that has been done by the staff and the board, I think is, is really incredible. And the stuff that Leslie put together for us, like just tons of information that would help um, make our decision. And I went into, and, and for folks who don't realize, we had probably eight hours worth of meetings about this over a couple weeks. And then the presidents plus Leslie had even more meetings. And the final, like the final day of meetings, about four hours of meetings, and we knew at the end of that there was going to have to be a decision, we had to have a vote. And I went into that morning, I woke up that morning thinking like, oh god, this is going to be a mess. We're going to have fights, we're going to have arguments, it's going to be raw, we're going to be split, it's going to be like a six to five vote. But when all the information was in front of us and we talked it through and talked it backwards and forwards in every which way we had consensus about this is how it had to go. It just, you know, the the, the the information was there to tell us that was
1: the only way to go, really. As somebody who's outside of those deliberations and outside of that process, what were the most compelling factors?
0: Mm. Well, you know, the t- kind of the two of the big issues were, or look, kind of one of the first issues was, this is gonna cost us either way. This is gonna be a financial blow either way, because if we go in person, it'll be smaller, because a lot of people can't come. If we go virtual, you know, plenty of people are going to drop out. And then we, of course, are going to have the cancellation fee with a hotel. So either way, it's a financial loser. So early on, we took that off the table because we said we're going to lose either way. And there's also no way we can calculate how much we lose. We can't predict how many people are going to drop out of the virtual. Um, so we don't know what it's going to cost us. So we said, let's just ignore that. We're going to lose money. We'll figure out the money later. Let's talk about what is the best move to make for our membership and for the complete membership? And when it came down to there, you know, there were kind of two questions on the table. Number one, what do you personally want to have happen with SEMS? And then number two, what would be the best thing to do for the membership? And I don't know who came up with that, if that was Priscilla, the, the current president, or Leslie. That, to me, was a stroke of genius because, like, oh, God, I wanted that conference in person. But but what was best for the membership Mm -hmm. is being online, in particular, then, thinking about non-U.S. members of SCMS, who, some of whom literally can't even get in the country because customs won't let them in if they don't have a proper, um, you know, what the U.S. declares as as a proper vaccine, Uh, precarious labor members who can't afford to get to Chicago and and might miss out or graduate students or the immunocompromised or anyone who has, you know, kind of concerns. And the other piece of this, we did a a brief, uh, we did a a set of office hours where anyone could come on and ask us questions. And someone came on and said, um, what mistakes were made? So where did you go wrong? Like, you know, we can't have this happening every year where we cancel a conference, which of course is very true. We respect that. But but this person said like, what, what mistakes were made? And Priscilla had a great answer and she said there's nothing we can point to that's here's we, something we should have done different. We acted on the information we had at each point and in November, it seemed like we could have had a in-person conference. In January, it seemed like that wasn't going to be possible. We can't wait till March 31st to see if in person is, mm-hmm. is possible, and we hope and pray. In fact, on March 31st, everyone's going to be like, "Wow, SCMS, you screwed up. You could have totally had this in person, because that would mean things are so much better than they are in they were in January and early February." But in early February, we can't predict that that's going to happen, and yeah. so we just we went with the information we had at the time. So I think those are the big things. Thinking of the entire membership. And the people who many who are already kind of marginalized or historically may have been marginalized, we had to put them at the at the front and center, and then with the information we had right now, not in you know March, yeah, even March first.
1: Yeah. That makes sense to me, and and so much of that mirrors all of our conversations about public policies, you know, about everything from schools to um, university policies and travel mm-hmm. and and. So much of the time we just hear people who are only arguing from self-interest. You know, um, if you're if you're anxious, wear a mask, you know, (laughs) get a vaccine if you want to and not thinking about it as a larger structural uh, set of concerns and Mm -hmm. and not trying to think outside your own perspective. Like for us, I mean, we're we're uh, doubly privileged with with regard to the travel question, because not only are we in are we in the U.S., but we can drive to the conference. Right. And that means, you know, not just cheaper travel, but also when you, we don't have to interact with anybody. Mm-hmm. We can kind of go from an airlock of our home to a, the relative airlock of a hotel room and then only interact as much as we want to physically at the conference. Yeah. And that is, that's not available to the vast majority of our members. Yeah. Um,
0: And, you know, we all respect and love the in-person experience. There's no question we're going to lose something being on Zoom rather than in person. But I also think we wouldn't have had the in-person experience that we would have wanted anyways. It wasn't going to be what we had in twenty. When was the last one we had? 2019, I guess, um, in terms of like a big gathering where, and especially like the the real value, even for those who, for instance, like graduate students or or folks who are, um, you know, junior faculty, where you can, you know, find a, a, um, someone who's work you respect and say, can we go out and get coffee? Like right now, a lot of people are hesitant to go yeah. out and get coffee yeah. with someone they've never met and, and don't know and don't know. That is know. so
1: true. That's, that is the conference. Yeah. You know, especially if you've, you know, yeah, it's nice to have people come to your paper and um and to talk to the people on your panel. but you you can talk to the people on your panel anyway. Mm-hmm. That's no big deal. And ultimately, yeah, it's that larger sense of community and just chance interactions that are so much more important. And yeah, that we're not that's that is not on the table as an option right now,
0: yeah, and it sucks. I mean, that's you it know does. the bottom line is the last two years have sucked. And, you know, hopefully though, and and another question that came up in the office hours was, how do we know this isn't going to happen again (laughs) where we cancel in Denver? And all I can say is, you know, as much as this feels like it has dragged on, this is actually probably a short, you know, stint as far as global, I don't know if that's redundant, but as far as pandemics go, and we'll have another year under our belt as far as, you know, more uh, vaccines, more dilution of the virus. Like, we will be better off. And if we're not better off, then we got bigger problems (laughs) than just an SEMS conference. So
1: Denver's good. Mm Mm-hmm. I, clean I, mountain air. Clean mountain air. I remember very fondly uh, going to an SCMS in Denver and going off to a um, Rockies game that's with right. you yeah. and um, several other folks.
0: Yeah, that was fun.
1: Yeah. Mile high. Yeah. Mile high baseballs, Spring baseball. Mm-hmm. Good. Mile high baseball. Good.
0: Mm-hmm. Dingers flying out of the park.
1: Yeah. Through that thin mountain air. Nice. Um, well, that's something to look forward to. I'll is. I'll hold on to that. Yep. Well, thank you uh, for talking through this and uh, being willing to expose a little bit of how that deliberation process uh, went went on because I think that's I think that's important to hear. and thank you to to uh, Paula Massoud for being so reflective about about her her time in the barrel <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, for being willing to lead the organization through this grisly period
0: yeah i mean that's tough you know our announcement was originally going to go out on groundhog day and we had to delay it for a few reasons but that was also a kind of delicious symbolism that this is you know that here's oh. this comes again <laughs> this announcement again um and so yeah and
1: cue up the sunny and chair
0: There you go. We had talked about, well, because, you know, we had our video. Of course, we put a number of board mm-hmm. members. We And the decision-making behind that was we want to put a face on this. We, again, want to make it clear this is just the peop- the folks you know. Um, making these kind of decisions, so that was behind the decision to do a to a video, and we had various ideas with it. And someone said, like, we should put like I Got You, Babe" under <laughs> under it to, yeah. as a, like an Easter egg for people who would get the the Groundhog Day reference. But we also decided, you know, we probably shouldn't be irreverent with this. This is pretty serious. Stuff, the board so. doesn't get to be
1: cute. <laughs> we get to be cute, not the board.
0: Okay. Well, I will then say, as my cat is pulling on my chair right now, I did have a take of mine where my cat was sitting on the back of my chair. Livvy, but it was determined again. We want to be, you know, let's, let's be serious about this. And Livvy was not being serious. She yawned at one point. And that just you was should not... have put
1: her in a, in a smart blazer. <laughs>
0: Libby yawned when I was delivering my message. That was not appropriate, Libby.
1: Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Uh Media Bites.
0: Yes. That, hey, that, no, it does it, not. Did that bite?
1: No. That was a good bite.
0: You can tell us if it bit or not. We are Ooh. at uh, info at aka-media.org. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter at akka underscore media. And or on um,
1: Facebook. You know, just look in the book of faces. We're there.
0: Google us. You'll find us.
1: We're there. Uh, we are produced... Uh, with the support of the University of Notre Dame and the Society for Cinema and Media Studies.
0: Um, yes, we are indeed. We appreciate the support of those organizations.
1: We also uh, are grateful for the work of our uh, team of co-conspirators, Todd Thompson and his golden years down in Austin, Texas. As well as Bill Kirkpatrick at University of Winnipeg. Stephanie Brown at Washington College. And Frank Mondelli at Stanford University. All right. And special thanks to our special guests. uh Christine Becker, who is uh, Secretary of SEMS
0: Livvy, my cat, who is now rubbing on Michael's microphone
1: Wow, friendly
0: And Paula Massoud, Presidential Extraordinaire uh, Currently, though, past President of Society for Cinema Media Studies
1: Alrighty, uh, those of you who are attending the conference, we'll see you in uh, virtual space
0: It'll be fun, I promise